You are listening to Electric Bike Radio. Welcome to episode 29 of Electric Bike Radio, Secondhand Sparks. I'm Jared, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Dwayne. Hey, Jared. So this week, our main topic, we're going to talk about buying a used e-bike. We're really starting to see a robust market for used e-bikes, and it is definitely a viable way to get into the e-bike lifestyle or just to change things up with a new bike or a better bike. But before we get into that, just a quick programming note. Um, There are a couple things we're going to talk about at the end of the show that we wanted to let you know. Uh, We had a great time this past weekend at the Pedago Palooza in Dunedin, Florida. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit. And also, if you live near us in Tampa Bay and you enjoy riding your e-bike here, there's a survey out from the Pinellas County government that you should really check out. So stick around for the end of the show and we'll chat more about those things. Right. Those are two very important topics. But back to our topic at hand, uh, the main topic of our episode, used e-bikes. And we should start by saying that e-bikes are primarily bikes. There's a lot of advice out there about how to buy used bikes. They've been around forever, right? And so people have been writing about it forever. We have linked to some of those in the show notes for you to check out. Of course, you have to consider those things that are applicable to regular bikes, things like making sure the frame is in good shape, nothing's bent, if it's a steel bike, nothing's rusted, that the components are in good working order, tires, things like that. Those are all important, but for the purposes of this episode today, we're going to focus as much as we can on the issues that are specific to e-bikes that there's not that much out there on. So before we talk about specific tips, let's talk just a little bit about the e-bike market. You know, the the market has been expanding rapidly, and there are more and more e-bikes being sold, you know, new e-bikes being sold, and more models. And so because of that, uh, we're starting to see a lot more e-bikes available on the used market. It just seems like you know, e-bikes are becoming easier to get. Um, there's less lead times. The sort of global shipping issues have uh lessened some and some of the pandemic demand for bikes has has been met (laughs) i guess and is is waning a little bit everybody is catching up now there also are some counterbalancing factors uh you know inflation uh that sort of thing all prices on everything are going up so msrps on bikes new bikes are generally going up a little bit Yep, definitely. Yeah, I I don't think they're not soaring, but new bike prices are trending higher. So mm-hmm. it does sometimes make the used market a little bit more attractive. You know, Dwayne, everything you just said, that it's pretty well reflected in our local market too, around where we live, that you know, generally everybody's prices are going up, but the used market seems to be hanging on steady, uh, increasing in number, your options are going up quite a bit, but uh, it doesn't seem like prices are going up or dropping in any significant way. Yeah, and like anytime you shop for something used, sometimes people don't exactly know the value of what they have, so you have to do a little homework and uh, keep your eye out, but there are bargains that can be had out there. So with that all said, let's talk about some of the factors you might want to consider when looking for a used bike. Um, There's always some risk involved with doing a used purchase. It's buyer beware, right? Um, 
the the main factors are if you're a buyer of a secondhand bike, even if you're buying something that's relatively new, you're likely not to get, not going to get the benefit of the manufacturer warranty, and that's something to check with the manufacturer usually on their website. But for most of them, uh, they do not allow a warranty to transfer. Uh, Dwayne, I think you actually have personal experience with this, right? Yeah, that's definitely a factor because sometimes with some manufacturers, a lot of the value that you're getting in a new bike purchase is a warranty. And I think Pedego uh, is one example of that. I have a Pedego bike. You know, they are priced, you know, I wouldn't say they're premium priced, but, you know, maybe maybe that's fair to say. And a lot of the value that you get out of that is a great five-year warranty. And you have to take that into account when you purchase a used bike, um, Pedego will not honor that warranty for subsequent purchasers. So you have to value that in to any price that you'd pay on a used bike that uh, chances are they're not going to honor the warranty for subsequent purchasers, but at least do your research and figure that out when you decide what you're willing to pay. Right. And I have used the warranty on my, my rad bike once, not for anything significant. Um, uh, I bought the extra front rack or front basket for my bike, and it has a mount for the headlight because when you put the rack on the bike, the headlight has to move from the bike to the front of the basket. And that little mount kind of broke off. And I called them, no issues whatsoever, and they took care of it. Now, that was a small problem. And I would I would guess that most people uh, buying from reputable manufacturers are usually not going to have big problems. But what if you do? It's something to consider. Well, it's funny you mentioned name brands because that is sort of our next point is to be careful a little bit with buying sort of off-brand bikes. There are a lot of no-name e-bikes out there that are sort of assembled with, you know, somewhat generic parts and such, but you don't know exactly what they're built with. And if you're not buying a bike from a, a recognized company that has some history of being in business, you can get stuck with a bike that you might not be able to get parts for, or it might not be easy. You might have to do more work than than you're up for uh, if you have some sort of issue with a used bike. Uh, I just had this experience recently. Somebody that my mom knew uh, bought a fairly expensive off-brand e-bike, and now it's got electrical problems, and nobody's quite sure what to do with it. So, you know, sticking with a unless you're buying something cheap enough that it doesn't matter to you, if you're investing a significant sum of money, uh, we tend to think you should stick with, you know, one of the recognized national brands. So that goes right into what we were saying earlier about buyer beware. That applies especially when you're talking about smaller name brands or, or off brands, um, as, as Dwayne called them a second ago. Uh, if you don't have a name or a person you can get a hold of. If you don't have a place that you can get shipping to, like that you clearly know who it is and you have um, you have directions and an ability to do that, uh, that becomes very difficult. Plus, if you have a – and admittedly, this can happen for any brand, but not as much for the bigger ones. If you have bought your bike online and you have to ship a part back to have it looked at, that becomes expensive. And if you have to ship a whole bike back, they're – that becomes problematic for uh, some companies um, where you may not get the the scenario that you're looking for. So just the things to consider in that world. But moving on to something else, you can offset that risk a little bit of buying a, you know, a not as quite well-known brand 
by making sure you buy a bike with quality common components. Um, a lot of bikes share the same kind of motors out there, uh, same same you know sub brand of brakes, things like that, uh, controllers, other things like that. Um, if you find a bike that has parts on it that has have a wider availability, you've got a better shot of being able to find and replace those parts as they become uh, worn or used or broken. Now the biggest issue with an e-bike and frankly one of the hardest ones to evaluate is always going to be the battery. We know the battery is by far the most expensive part on the bike. And you know, a battery should be good for 4 or 5 years with normal use. But you know, you always have to ask some questions and trust the seller that you're getting reasonable reasonably fair answers about uh, the battery. How old is it? You know, how much has it been used? Um, how did they take care of charging that battery? And I think you can do that in a very innocent way. You know, you can sort of play <laughs> dumb and say, so uh, do you charge this thing after every ride? Do you, do you store the battery charged? Uh, how long can a battery sit around and, and see what they say, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, we covered a lot of that in a, a previous episode. I think it was called A Battery of Questions that how you treat a battery can change its lifespan quite a bit. Now, you don't have to baby it completely, but generally you don't want to leave it outside in the cold. You don't want to leave it in a hot car. Um, you don't want to run it all the way down every time. You want to generally keep it char- in a mostly charged state if you're storing it for a certain amount of time. Those are the kinds of questions that you'll want to try to get answers to. And you may be able to and you may not, um, but do your best. And there's also the issue of not all batteries are as technology moves forward and bike brands can change their batteries, the older batteries for older bikes become less available. And thinking about when I run this battery down, am I going to be able to get a replacement? That is a consideration to take into account. Yeah, I know that there are companies. Uh, in fact, <laughs> the the CEO of uh, Pedego was just telling us that they have bike you know, batteries available for every bike they've ever made. And at some point that may change, but that's not always true. So definitely something doing a little bit of battery research before you buy a used bike is important because you always have to face the possibility that that battery is not going to be what you want it to be. And, and, and you should know how, uh, how much is that going to cost you if, if that turns out to be the case. So Right. There's not a lot you can do. You can ask questions. You can look at the battery physically. Sometimes they have markings that will give you some sort of date code that you can look up on the Internet to figure out how old it is. Certainly, you can look for any signs of damage. If a battery has been dropped or the battery case is cracked, that's generally bad news. I would really stay mm-hmm. away from that. That can even be dangerous. Um, and, and seeing if the battery is holding a charge, you know, just looking at the battery on the bike and looking at the battery meter and making sure that, that the battery uh, takes a full charge. Um, those are some things you can do to kind of offset that risk. And this is, you know, none of those answers are clear and will give you a, a certain, you know, I know whether this is a, a great risk or not, but I hate to say it, the battery is the biggest risk, and it's also the biggest cost on almost any bike. If you if you need to replace a battery, I think on average you're looking at five hundred on the low end to nine hundred, a thousand dollars on the on the upper end, uh, and possibly even more. So, 
And, and it's the one thing that you really can't tell. Your motor, as long as it's not making any funny noises, usually fine. You know, everything else is stuff you can visibly inspect. The battery, you're kind of at the whim of the information you can get. So now that's the one. That's the biggest downside of buying used, unless you can get some really clear answers. Yep, yep. So it all comes down to how trustworthy is the person that you're buying from, or, or or a dealer. You know, maybe you're buying from a dealer. We'll talk a little bit about that too. Right now, also most e-bikes have an odometer that track how many miles they have gone, um, which can be a nice indicator as to how you know how old a bike is is one thing, but how much a bike has been ridden is another. Uh, so that can provide some good information, but Remember, um, you know, car manufacturers do under federal law make all sorts of accommodations so that it becomes very difficult to tamper with a car odometer. <laughs> that doesn't seem to happen anymore, but that is not really true with e-bikes. Um, it's not hard at all to reset the odometer on an e-bike. So you can't uh, necessarily take for gospel that the odometer is correct or you know, sometimes people have issues and they replace things and things get reset accidentally. It's not necessarily even that someone is trying to defraud you, but um, yeah, odometers are important to check, uh, but can't necessarily be relied on. Right. And that's actually, it's a funny story on the uh, the Rad Power Bikes forums. That's a frequent complaint that sometimes the odometers will reset. And the number of miles people have on their bikes is almost a badge of honor. Yeah, and they'll, they'll see, right. And so they'll see their 4,000 or 5,000 miles just unex, inexplicably disappear. Um, and they're very upset about it. Not that I think any of those people are going to be selling you their bike, but, you know, it's just, you never know. And like Dwayne said, important to check, but not necessarily the end all be all answer. Now, one other thing we should talk about is old technology. And, you know, e-bikes are still, I don't want to say in their infancy. I think we've come a long way over the past 10 years. But that said, we've come a long way over the past 10 years. Battery technology has changed significantly. You don't want to look at any bike. I wouldn't recommend anybody looking at an e-bike that offers a lead-acid battery. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be lithium-ion, right? So if yeah. it has that older technology, don't get it. Um, we're getting close to that area with, with voltages. I think 36-volt systems are... They're few and far between to buy new, and they're just going to keep going away. Think of it like an iPhone. Every two years, well, every year there's a new one. Probably every two years, most people rebuy a new phone and and update to the newest technology. As your iPhone gets to four, five, six years old, most people have retired them at that point. Um, E-bikes, maybe not quite so frequently. I think if you buy a newer one now, you probably have a good few years of use out of it, especially if you have good luck with the battery or you can replace the battery. But, you know, you're going to want the newest and greatest thing. And a few more years later, it's it's not going to be there anymore. Yeah, that's the curse of modern technology, right? <laughs> is technology is always moving forward. And, uh, you know, so you're telling me there's people out there who are using two-year-old iPhones? Mm. I, I think so. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not an iPhone guy. You know that. <laughs> Another thing with e-bikes is that uh, it's and it's true with any bike. You really need to take a test ride with any bike that you're considering, and of course that's true with traditional bikes because you need to make sure that the bike fits you 
and the bike is comfortable for you. But even more than that, you know, Jared, we've ridden a lot of different types of e-bikes, and they mm-hmm. all ride differently. Uh, the way the pedal assist works, the way the throttle works. Uh, so you want to really test your bike and make sure that it it rides in a way that's comfortable to you, that you feel safe, because uh, they are all very different. And really, you need to, uh, you know, be sure that what you're buying is something that you're going to like. And you know, it's funny, Dwayne, the more, the more bikes we have ridden, the, I think the easier and more quickly we pick up on anything that's a little bit off. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that can apply to anybody. Don't just ride one bike. If you ride three bikes you have already increased your knowledge much more than the 300%. I think there that, that you have there. Um, it's just amazing how much experience can help you out, even if it's just a couple minutes on a bike. So try to check out a couple bikes if you can, but definitely ride the one that you're going to ride and ride it for a few miles. Don't just take it around a parking lot and say it's fine. You need to make sure not only everything seems to be working well, but also that it fits you and that you're comfortable riding it. Yeah, and if you're not that experienced with e-bikes, even if you think you want to buy a used bike before the price point or whatever, you know, maybe go to a bike store and try test riding a few new bikes just to try different styles, make sure, you know, you're you're comfortable so that when you ride that used bike that you're you're test riding, you have some frame of reference. Mm-hmm. I think those are all good points. Now, speaking of bike dealers, don't overlook bike dealers when it comes to shopping for uh, used e-bikes. You know, of course, we all think about Facebook Marketplace and the various online, you know, uh, apps and uh, websites to look for used bikes. And certainly that's a great place. And that might be a place to find some deals because, you know, people might price things lower than they should be or whatever, which you're probably not going to find as much at a dealer. But most bike uh, shops do sell uh, used bikes. Uh, anywhere that rents e-bikes usually sells their fleet, you know, once a year or so. Uh, so these are all good places. You're more likely to get straight answers about the history of a bike uh, from a dealership, I think. You're more likely to get mm-hmm. a bike that's been maintained, you know, uh, either pre-sale or if it was a rental bike maintained throughout its life. So um, you can, I've seen some really good deals, um, on previous rental bikes that, uh, are, might be a good way into the bike market if you can find one. So, uh, at least consider those options in addition to private party sales. Absolutely. And, you know, one last point, um, and it goes back to our servicing, but it also goes to, to dealers. And that's why I want to add it in here is, you know, if you have a bike that you're looking at and you're considering it may not be the worst idea in the world to talk to a local repair place or a local dealer and ask them, do you work on these kinds of bikes? Um, in fact, you could probably, if they do, you could probably ask them, what do you think about it? And they'd be happy to do it. If you want to get your bike tuned up as soon as you purchase it, which also isn't a bad idea anytime you buy a used bike, um, then you already have somewhere to go and they can take a look at it. You know, it, you could even do something like what you would do with a used car. You can, Maybe bring it into the dealer before you purchase it and say, hey, would you mind taking a look at this and and telling me if it's in decent shape? Um, So at least then you know if you have a place to take it. So, Jared, I know it seems like uh, we we came up with a pretty good list of things to think about. I hope we didn't make it seem too too complicated. But, you know, they're really... uh, 
used e-bikes are, you know, they're somewhat complicated pieces of equipment and they're a decent investment. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of things to think about. So I, I think with, if you kind of pay attention to this list and do your research and sort of maybe narrow your search down to certain certain models or certain brands of bikes that you're interested in, that will really help with the used bike shopping. I think so. I, th- I think we've covered uh, as much as we can possibly cover without um, overwhelming everybody that we're talking to right here, <laughs> and including ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to those other two topics we cover or we mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, and these these two things are, are kind of more local centric. Um, we we try to make the podcast uh, for everybody, but we do have a lot of listeners in the Tampa Bay area because we are based here, and this is where we go out and, and meet people and make <laughs> friends and that sort of thing. So and hand out stickers. Two, yeah, there's two <laughs> kind of more local topics we want to talk about. Uh, one is what we did this weekend. Uh, we were both invited to as uh, special guests of the. Uh, Pedigo Palooza for the uh, Pedigo store in Dunedin, Florida. Uh, Pedigo Palooza is the uh, owner appreciation events uh, that the Pedigo corporate uh, does, uh, you know, in the local stores. They sort of have a traveling road show. They have a big RV <laughs> and tents and all sorts of things, and they, they come down and, uh, you know, put on an owner appreciation event. Uh, it starts with a a, a ride. Uh, we all got together, about uh, forty or so of us, and uh, took a ride through Dunedin with a guide and a and a sort of a guided history tour, and ended with a really nice lunch and some door prizes and that kind of thing. It was a blast. Yeah, we had a really great time there. We had a lot of fun. Um, they lent me a Pedigo, uh, so I got to ride around on a on a nice platinum interceptor, which was which was fun and. Uh, it was just really great being out with a nice group of people and getting to have a fun time with a bunch of people on the Pinellas Trail. So we just want to make sure we extend our thanks to, um, well, I guess our first invitation officially came from from Don DiCostanzo at the, on our last yep. uh, podcast, but also um, at the Dunedin store, uh, Brenda and Paul, uh, who are the owners there, and Alan, who's their general manager. Uh, mm-hmm. Just wonderful people, and and so welcoming to everybody, including this rad wagon owner. So, yeah. um, thanks all for having us out. Well, they made you a pedigo honorary pedigo owner for the day, and and they're they're putting the hard press on you. So we'll they see. did. <laughs> they put a hat on me before I could go. So we'll we'll have for to sure. see. <laughs> now, another thing worth talking about. In fact, we talked about this at the Pedigo Palooza. Uh, the Pinellas County is doing a survey about uh, use on the Pinellas Trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Pinellas Trail is a multi-use bike trail that runs for, you know, 40-plus or 50-plus miles uh, around Pinellas County. It's a great multi-use trail, a great way to get around. And they are doing a survey of trail users, and it asks a lot of questions about e-bikes, uh, about whether you think e-bikes pose a danger on the trail, whether people ride too fast, uh, you know. um, And what was concerning to us is uh, early in the results, uh, the survey will be open, I think, for this whole month, the whole month of April. But early results were showing, you know, 80% or so of the people 
who were responding to the survey were saying that e-bikes posed a danger to people on the Pinellas Trail. And, you know, uh, we really need to get some participation by people who ride e-bikes on the trail who know that that is not true uh, to represent on the survey. Because when government takes a survey, you never know what they're going to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I... I don't like the idea uh, of them getting the impression that trail users, uh, you know, have concerns about e-bikes on the trail. Right, and I think all of um, all of you out there probably share the same kind of feelings that Wayne and I do. That you know, it doesn't really matter what you're riding; it's the person riding and how courteous they're being that determines whether they're a danger. You know, it could be a regular bike, it could be a scooter, it could be a rollerblades. And if you're courteous, you're fine. If you um, are not being courteous, then you create a problem. It doesn't matter that it's an e-bike or not. And it seems like the the early participants of the survey don't feel the same way. They kind of attack the bike or the e-bike and not the people who are riding um the particular experience they've seen, or they're just going from, you know, their own personal feelings without a lot of education and knowledge. So if you, uh, if you're local and you enjoy riding on the trail and you enjoy riding with your e-bike, um, take the survey and make sure that the, you know, the Pinellas County government kind of hears everybody's side. Yeah. And encourage other people, you know, in this area, you don't have to live in Pinellas County. It's really designed for anybody who uses the trail. So Mm -hmm. even if you live somewhere else, but take advantage of the Pinellas Trail, uh, take the survey and encourage anybody, you know, uh, who uh, uses the trail and and understands uh, that e-bikes are just bikes. Uh, to take the survey because we'd, we'd, we'd like to see better representation because I'm, I'm not sure. I feel like e-bike owners are underrepresented so far. <laughs> and, of course, we'll have the link to that in our uh, in our show notes along with the links to anything else we've mentioned today. So please go check out the survey and anything else you've heard. Um, you can always follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Email us at ebikeradio at gmail.com. And I think that's about it. I think that will wrap up the show for this week, Jared. And we, we, uh, you know, we've, we've missed a couple weeks here and there. We do our best to have a show every week when we can, but since this is not our job, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> things get in the way. So we try to at least do it every other week, but we will, uh, try and get back on track here with some regular yeah. episodes and, and be back next week. Yeah. Fear not. If we miss a week, we're not going away. We're still around. We're just, uh, dealing with life and we'll be back yes (laughs) all right well thank you all for listening and stay tuned to electric bike radio